Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey folks, it's me, Stephen, and as I announced in many of the previous episodes, well, I'm currently on vacation, and I'm not going to be back until July. But don't go anywhere, because you're still going to get an episode of this podcast. It just won't be hosted by me. Instead, it's going to be hosted by a truly amazing individual, or a group of truly amazing individuals. Just, you know... Don't go falling in love with them and leave me, okay? Anyway, see y'all in July. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Just Another Fanboy. Don't try to adjust your podcast catcher, I'm a guest host. My name is Peter of the Daily Rios Podcast. Steven is on vacation and has generously offered up his sandbox for a guest episode. Like Steven, I love podcasting, so how could I turn down the invitation to put my voice out there once again as if I don't already talk a lot on various casts? So here is my contribution to Just Another Fanboy. When it came time to think about a guest spot here on Steven's feed and trying to figure out what topic I could possibly bring, I thought about the question of what does Just Another Fanboy mean to me? What does that title mean? I obviously want to stay true to the spirit of all the amazing work that Steven has put out in all of his various podcasts, and in many ways, I look at guest hosting as house-sitting, or podcast-sitting, if you will. It's not my job to come in and suddenly rearrange furniture and reorganize the silverware drawer, because that would be rude, right? I'm here to fill the space, usually occupied by Stephen, so I wanted to filter my approach and my topic through that lens, through the lens of just another fanboy. 
because titles have meanings. Titles, names, they have power, as I learned by reading some of Neil Gaiman's work, either Sandman or maybe it was Books of Magic. Names mean something. So once Stephen reached out, it really didn't take that long. Thoughts were thoughts, ideas were ideated, and just another fanboy turned into a notion. If I am just another fanboy, what is something that we as fanboys, as nerds, as geeks, what is what is it that we have in common? From one to the next, what are the celebrations, the habits, the methods, the with, the whatever that bounces from one to another to another? Our origin stories have very similar ideas and patterns, our upbringing, our comics collecting. All of it resonates because we have a shared hobby. And the topic that I landed on is one corner of that hobby that I haven't really talked about at any length on any of my own podcasts. Small bits here and there, but not a full presentation. So that became uh, the focal point, the lightning rod, the bullseye, the target. I suddenly had my topic. Like other fanboys, those of us into comics, reading comics as a kid, especially in the summer with weeks of downtime, no real schedule, if I wasn't running around with other kids on my block or trying to kiss girls, you could find me in my room with my comic book collection, reading, organizing, reorganizing, deciding that I was going to be one of those comic collectors that bagged and boarded everything, pouring over who's who and Marvel handbooks. We all did this. We can share many stories about this. This is the part of the hobby that uh, we all discover along the way. We can also share stories about how many of us also did something else when our minds were overrun with heroes and villains and stories. Because like many of you out there, I created my own superhero characters. I mean, I created my own super universe. Just like the comic book friends I hung out with during junior high and high school, just like comic book readers all over the world, some of you out there listening, just like those comic book readers that became professionals, like Eric Larson and George Perez and Alex Ross. The one other aspect that may connect many of us I had a whole universe of characters and stories that I created and that I kept on creating through college. Hundreds of heroes, hundreds of villains, super teams, super organizations, supporting characters, locations, headquarters, weapons, events, story arcs. I had my own handbook style sketchbooks, binders detailing origins and facts and timelines and and I'm talking about it all in the past tense, when really, I still have all of this material. I have those drawings dating back to 10, 11, 12 years old, when I would let my mind create, and I would put pencil or crayon or color pencil or marker to paper, 
create my own characters, create my own versions of characters that already existed, making them as my mind would come up with them and and coming up with names and sometimes coming up with stories. And then later on in my teens, as I got a little older, I would revise those characters, update their costumes, update the drawings. A lot of this at this point was because I was tracing or I was swiping off of handbooks or who's who or comic book pages. I started to do detailed text pieces, handbook style, digging into backstories, connections, powers, future storylines, how these characters created, how they lived in the superhero universe, and how they helped to inform that universe. And a lot of those text pieces would eventually get little little notes, behind-the-scenes notes, of why I created them, who they were based on, what they were inspired by. I have sketchbooks full of house ads, costume designs, cover designs, again, traced, swiped, you name it. And I make that distinction because I was an artist in school. I, I wasn't great, but I took art classes. I was introduced to different mediums, and I have a portfolio full of many, many unfinished projects. I thought art was going to be my thing, out of high school. At the same time, I was doing theater, started theater in junior high, and the bug, the theater bug just grew too big. And because theater has such a a schedule nightmare, all of those hours that I could have spent honing my craft and learning to actually draw and refining my skills, those hours were gone. So that's why I make the distinction that a lot of times I would trace, I would swipe. It was just easier to to find an image and set it aside and, you know, just if I needed it for a certain thing, go, yep, that's the one I needed. And I always had a really good eye for recreating an image that was in front of me. I can remember pouring over magazines for poses, for fashion tips, for hairstyles, for how pretty people looked. I kept a morgue file of clippings and articles and drawings, things that I thought were cool, you know, locations and pictures of space and spaceships from Omni magazine and some, I don't know, some fashion magazine, some entertainment magazine, pictures of old industrial buildings, weaponry, historical figures. I think I only, I I think I threw away that that collection uh, probably about just two, three years ago. I mean, I've had it all this time. Because really, if you have the internet, you know, why do you really need something like that? My my friends at the time in the 80s, we all shared a love of this creation. And only a few of us, I think only one of us really, actually went on to get a printed comic out. Uh, the rest of us, we just, it was a hobby. And we either kept on going, dabbling in it, or we just gave it up, you know, forever. And as I said before, I continued to dabble for years because I just couldn't stop myself. Even in college, I had a friend, the one friend out of many that I um, allowed to see this universe, I guess you could say. Uh, She demanded that I draw a collage for her of all the characters that she really, really liked. And not only were some of those earliest characters modeled after comics that we read, you know, I had my own version of the JLA. I had my version of the Titans, the Outsiders, etc., 
I also would go on and name many of the characters after people in my life, friends, family, college friends, ex-girlfriends, etc. All in all, we're talking probably about 10 uh, handheld size sketchbooks of character drawings and about two or three larger sketchbooks. Uh, and then from when I was a kid, a lot of loose leaf creations and drawings. I even have some poster size drawings of, of you know, again, I, I grew up with George Perez and Who's Who and Marvel Universe and collages and, and posters. So I would create I would try to create my own posters, my own universe posters. Sometimes it was little vignettes. Sometimes it was like a big group shop. Again, all of it mostly unfinished, just as this universe is unfinished because a universe is ever growing. As of today in 2022, I have not touched that universe, not in any creative way. Mostly what I've been doing for the past, I don't know, 10, 20 years is I've been slowly trying to digitize all of this information, I really should take pictures and and scan in all of the drawings so that I have them forever because it's all on paper. But obviously that's been very slow going because I always have way too many projects, right? That's the other thing that collect, connects a lot of us. But I thought all of this would be a fun topic for just another fanboy since, since it is, as I said, something I, that I haven't covered elsewhere. And I'm sure some of you out there right now are probably going, yep, I did the same thing. The universe I created began to form around three concepts. A small team of heroes with origins within Greek mythology, because I was a huge Greek mythology fan. A solo character whose adventures might ring closest to a title like Firestorm, uh, a younger character but high profile with a lot of family and a lot of friends as backdrop, and a larger team or a group of characters that were clearly my version of the Justice League of America in terms of their ranking as the preeminent team of this entire universe. And a lot of the universe began branching from there. Villain-wise, the big bad of my universe was an organization not quite as bombastic as something like Cobra, not fascist like Hydra, not as cultish as something like Hive. It was almost organi organizational. Like, like uh, In many ways, it reminds me of, if you remember the animated movie Crisis on Two Earths, the way the crime syndicate was really a syndicate with leaders and deputies and branches. Basically, if you were a villain in my universe, you probably were a member of this group or you knew someone in the group or you purposely were working outside of it. So like Millennium, the Millennium event from DC, eventually it would be made clear that someone, some hero, some villain, some supporting character were members of this large villainous organization, and chaos would ensue. A lot of the origins and a lot of the backdrop of this universe played out mostly through supporting characters that were connected to those three concepts. Uh, for instance, my version of the JLA was backed by a counterpart to that big villainous criminal organization, and it was an organization that was responsible for creating heroes and for making heroes uh, be very public, and in a way, they used 
that as a front for their own doings. So it was kind of like Suicide Squad in that regard, especially in terms of having a big base of uh, base of operations, uh, having an administrative side to the group. But some of it also was mixed with the political militaristic stuff that you found, for for example, in Avengers, in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? So you had that good organization as a counterpart to the bad organization. Now, I was creating a lot of these characters in the 80s, which meant their stories took place in the 80s, uh, mostly late 80s and then through the 90s. The origins, all that backdrop stuff went backwards. So that stuff would take place in the early 80s, the 70s, the 60s, etc. The solo character... For instance, um, even though he was young, uh, his main stories would begin in 1989. But that was kind of a reemergence for the character because he had dabbled as a superhero before that. So in a way, that's why it echoes what Firestorm uh, was like, because Firestorm began his publication history with a short run and then he would show up in a team book and then he would show up in backup tales before getting a second much longer title and that's very similar to the career of my solo character uh so 1989 that's where the universe really began in terms of you know if you think about where uh, a comic line would begin. Like if you were reading, you know, uh, Valiant for the first time, CrossGen for the first time, my universe would start in 1989. Now, I was creating this stuff in the 80s, so it made sense. If I were to do that today, it would be a total flashback. But you have to think that everything then culminated from 1989, and it would lead all the way through the 90s until... New Year's between December 1999 and January of 2000. So it happens on that New Year's, uh, that big group of JLA characters, which were named the Protectors, right? I haven't really been naming names for obvious reasons. Copyright. Uh, but but the protect, Protectors, that's been a comic book that's uber generic. I mean, we've already had a bunch of concepts like protector, protector so it doesn't really matter. Anyway, the Protectors... There were three versions in the 10 years between 89 and 99, uh, Protectors 1, Protectors 2, and Protectors 3, just that simple. And in an odd sort of way, if 1 was the JLA, 2 was the JSA, the Justice Society of America, and 3 wound up being kind of like the All-Star Squadron. So it's weird because it's going backward through that concept, but it made sense to me in my head as I was creating them. So these three teams, as a way to celebrate the New Year's of 1999 to 2000, they held a big gathering at their base of operations in Washington, D.C., and this was the perfect time for that huge villain group to finally make its move, and they blow up the celebration. And because I'm an 80s kid, I pictured it dynasty style, right? Where you would have this celebration of a comic book. I don't know, maybe it would be like a a 64-page special and there would be this great big celebration. Think of Justice League 200, but then at the end, everything blows up, right? And you would have to wait to find out what happened 
because that's that was the drama of it, right? Characters lived, characters died, characters would never be the same again. And that would kick off this huge connective story um, that would run in, in the timeline of January of 2000, very similar to what DC had uh, was doing. If you think of their lead up uh, from from the Infinite Crisis special to the actual Infinite Crisis event, all that stuff that was going on, that's kind of what this storyline was. But again, I was writing it in the 80s and 90s, and the year 2000 was still way ahead on the horizon. So it, it felt like a perfect year to mark a big change for my universe. Which means instead of pre-crisis, post-crisis, my universe was very much pre-millennium, post-new millennium, or pre-protector's reunion, uh, post-protector's reunion. And then the outcome of that whole story was uh, the creation of a conference on what to do with superpowered beings and how this shapes our very culture uh, a lot of the secrets of who was behind the protectors would come out because it was uh, almost a governmental organization and uh, in many ways predating what Civil War did, but certainly playing around with what the X-Men books did with mutant registration and having senators at the front of this conversa- conversation, etc. This was way more political. Uh, I think it was influenced a lot by all all of the shenanigans in Justice League International or in Suicide Squad with Task Force SX uh, and all the various DC organizations in the 80s, like, you know, the, the organization that was behind Captain Adam and um, Checkmate in many ways. Yeah, the post-2000 stories, a lot of my characters, quote-unquote, grew up or they were reimagined, or they were shuffled around, stories got darker, the world changed. It was almost as if, you know, as I was writing stories for post-2000, but yet 10 years earlier, or whatever it was, it's almost as if today I would put it in like the year 2016 and beyond, right? Uh, Eventually, all of this led to an event very similar to the Janus Directive, called War Games, the International War Games, of course. Uh, I had a World War III that took took place in 2009, and then you got like a whole bunch of lost years, the 22nd century, all the way to the 26th century, which was my version of the future of my universe. Not necessarily like the Legion of Superheroes, more like a cross between... Uh, 90s Guardian of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Trek, and a little bit influenced by um, the Star Wars Dark Empire uh, miniseries. Had a lot of uh, echoes of that as well, which was odd. But that's it. There you go. That's like a generic overview of the birth of my universe all the way through to you know, the end of it. Well, I should say that, you know, I've actually written a timeline that goes all the way back to the Big Bang. But in terms of the actual superhero content, that it it takes place between 1989 and the year like 2023, I think. Um, Maybe even beyond that until it starts jumping into different centuries. So, so there you go. I just thought I'd share that just to, you know, 
give you an idea of how ingrained this universe was in my brain and how it has changed and formed and grown. And I realized I was, as I was checking some notes um, that I was actually still creating characters all the way through to like 1999, 2000. How odd to actually be working on the universe in 2000 when I was writing stories about the year 2000 10 years earlier, right? It was just so bizarre. So uh, yeah, that is the bulk of what I always wanted my universe to be. One of the things I thought about doing with all of this stuff And this was inspired by a Kickstarter that I came across that did this very thing, is to create a handbook of this universe, an actual handbook, and use the handbook as a way to tell stories rather than to do the comics themselves. So if you went through, I don't know, maybe it would be alphabetical order, maybe not, but as you go through, you would discover a new character But then you would start to see this larger story unfolding in all of the details, right? Maybe it's something that I would release entries purposefully as a way to connect characters. And you can see how things build and how this larger tapestry is starting to form. So either it's alphabetical or it's just random, but it's not really random. I think that could be really cool. And then it's not about trying to create a comic book, right? It's just creating handbook-style entries. The second thing I thought about doing, similar to this, was a History of the DC Universe type story. Again, as a way to intro characters, tease relationships, story arcs. But it would be a narrative story. It would be told in a narrative sense. It would have some kind of linear direction. Again, not to do a comic book, but not to, or I should say, not to do a series of comic books, not to do a whole universe of comic books, comic books, just one history of the DC Universe story. And I do have a title for it. And it would just be ongoing and it would just be a way to go through many various eras, all the way from the beginning of the of my universe to its end. And, and that could be very interesting. You know, I've always said, I'm a comics reader, I'm a, I'm a comics podcaster, I'm a comics pundit, if you will. I am not looking to get into the comic book game. But that certainly doesn't stop me from thinking about my larger universe and my creation and and, you know, all of the many hours of entertainment it has given me and ways that I've tried to come up with connections and clever, sometimes too clever, um, echoes of comics that we're reading or real world events, etc., etc. So, no, I don't plan on becoming a comic artist in my later life, but it's always something that in this kind of format I think could be very interesting. So, just like this other fanboy, what is your comic book universe? What hero or villain have you created that is still floating about in your head or that maybe has become your own comic book, you know, self-published that you'll never let anyone see? Uh, Maybe it became your screen name or your gaming character avatar or something. What creations did you think of as a kid, that years later you say to yourself as you're reading a comic book, that was mine! 
I came up with that first because we all have those. We all have those. Let us know in an email or send a voicemail or go over to the Just Another Fanboy forums and let's have a conversation about this particular part of our large comic book hobby. I hope you enjoyed this guest episode. Thank you for indulging me for this time. My name is Peter. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.